Welcome to the After Dark Podcast, the podcast in which Anthony leads his unknowing friend Conrad by the hand through TV shows. Will Conrad like them? Will Conrad hate them? Will Conrad predict what's going to happen, or will he be lost in the dark? Find out now, only on the After Dark Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I'm Anthony, and that's Conrad. Hello! Moving to quite a clip today, Conrad. Please subscribe on YouTube. <laughs> Please subscribe on YouTube. Like the video. Podcasting apps. adpod.gmail.com. Email us. Comment for Conrad. This is very serious, business-like intro to this. I don't know if I yeah. like it. It's very somber. Yeah, it's very... Well, we have to do it every now and then. We have to do it every now and then. You know, just let, let people know who's boss. Change on it. Yeah, no, no. Um, the reason why I just wanted to get that out of the way there, because I think... Listen, I can't remember if it was last week, but one of the weeks, one of the episodes in the last few weeks... I listened to it back and I didn't do any of it before we went into <laughs> the breakdown. That's and I was like, got to get it out, got to get it out. And I was just like, can you imagine if, if someone would have clicked the subscribe button and I just didn't say it? <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean, that'd be, that's the dream is people subscribing without you asking them to. But here oh, we are, no. cap in hand. Cap in hand, please, please. But anyway, okay, so um, I wanted to mention one thing before we actually get into the breakdown. Uh, and that was that last week we made fools of ourselves again, Conrad. It oh, seems Jesus. like... I think when we were we were doing dark, like I know dark like the back of my hand. Yeah. Some people some people would argue with that, but I do. That's new. Uh, so basically, um, <laughs> no, it's a stupid old joke. <laughs> I'm, but, not, uh, I'm not acknowledging or or justifying that joke at all. I'm just letting it sit where it lies. For the audio listeners, I looked at the back of my hand and said, "Oh, that's new," as if I found a freckle. Um, okay, so anyway. Um, it seems on the old way we make a mistake every week, which is absolutely fine because it's only one mistake. But because I think I knew I knew Dark so well that when we were doing Dark, I was able to correct you on mistakes, and I didn't necessarily make too many mistakes. I did every now and then, but yeah, you know, I sure. also didn't acknowledge the Dark mistakes because I didn't want to. But <laughs> I, I will acknowledge the away one. So we made a mistake, Conrad, mm-hmm. and I did go and rewatch the scene. It turns out that Scott was whispering to his plants, not Rachel. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I could totally misremembered that as well. But you know, so I, yeah, we'll, I, what the what the keen-eared listeners will realise, of course, is that we are lacing in these mistakes into our discussions to catch out those of you who aren't paying attention yeah. to the podcast. So, congratulations to those of you who spotted it. There'll be another mistake this week for you to look yeah. out for. <laughs> yeah, keep your eyes open <laughs> and your ears ajar. <laughs> so basically, I think it's probably because uh, we're doing we're taking notes while watching it. Uh, and I think when I watched that back, Rachel's the one who says, talks to the OA, and then the OA starts replying. But in the middle of the reply to Rachel, shifts the gaze to, to Scott and says, and I see you whispering your plants at night. And then mm. Scott gives her a knowing look. If you're only hearing it while, say, if we're typing a note at that moment, we wouldn't have noticed that. And I think that's what happened. It, yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, to be honest, yeah, that was that's one of those moments where I'd just been like, I, I just moved on from it. I didn't treat it as that important. So uh, I think I just, yeah, accepted whatever whatever like person that we'd initially talked about uh, yeah. as, as the person who'd said that. But, you know, I'd say I, yeah, entirely I intentional. Say, I, will, yeah. I will say it was subtle enough that it didn't it didn't get, deserve the Scott exclamation mark, exclamation mark, is the one who talks <laughs> to his plans. I don't know if it deserved, like, it was pretty subtle. I was hope, I was look, I was going to go back there. I really thought I was going to see her looking at Scott right in the eye and go, hey, Scott, you're the one who talks to yeah. your plans. But no, it didn't go that There's way. There's an interstitial title card where it's just like, Rachel, colon, Scott, exclamation <laughs> mark, <laughs> yeah. you are the one who talks to your plans. And it did this weird thing where it had like this like broken net record sound effect, like, um, yeah. That's if only that's the end of that bit. Well, the thing is, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll draw a line under that, and we'll get into the breakdown. It was a good gag, all right? That was a good gag, and the people will get it. The people will enjoy that. Oh, no, don't worry. I enjoyed it. Hilarious silent movie comedy from Conrad. Speaking of silent movies, actually, go and check out uh, the new What's News episode that's up. I did did a very 20s 20s Hollywood opening for that. Yeah, great stuff. All right, we'll get into it then. Yep, let's do it. Oh, let's break it down! The OA episode five, How Goes to Cuba. (laughs) Sorry, Hal. I've got Hal Hal. down here. 
What is wrong with me? I was, I was listening to the Conan O'Brien, Brian Cranston uh, yeah. <laughs> podcast. I must have remembered Hal for some reason. There's your mistake, listeners. See if you spotted that one. Um, <laughs> Hat goes to Cuba. I thought this was a flashback initially. It took me until about halfway through this episode to realise it wasn't a flashback. Um, but uh, yeah. And I also didn't realise it was Cuba until probably the third scene there when you start seeing fancy cars i did sp- yeah, i did yeah. realize it was cuba before hap literally says it's cuba um <laughs> yeah. but hap um, on the screen colon it's cuba yeah <laughs> just in case we mistake so there's a thing that struck out stuck out to me in this and maybe maybe this is me reading too much into it but the episode literally opens with a close-up of a bust of a woman who looks a little prairie like but i mean it's a bust of a woman so it's probably I, I don't know enough about Cuban history, so maybe it's like an important sort of political figure in Cuba, or or it's it's um, like I'm, I'm assuming Cuba's quite like a heavily Catholic country, so maybe it's like a bust of uh, of Mary or something like that. I don't know, but it just seemed interesting to me that they started focusing on this bust of a of a, of a woman uh, who I don't know looked a little bit like Prairie to me, but maybe that's me reading too much into that. Yeah, okay. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't make any notes on that. I just sort of took it as symbolism. As I say, like, it could have been a Mary bust, because there's a lot of religious symmetry in this episode, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, I'm not going to ruin it for later, but there was a few people in the comments last week who didn't make a prediction, but did analyze something before it happened. Uh, and I'm, I want to sort of give them a shout out later on. Okay, but, um, nice. Yeah, so first thing I'll say about him being in Cuba, he goes and sees Renata playing the guitar. Yeah. Um, this is the first, like, I don't even know if there, we're there yet, but I think this is the f- the f- the best portrayal of someone who's, like, transcend. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I had this down as well. Like, this is the first time yeah. I saw one of these supposedly transcend- transcendentally skilled people and was like, oh, yeah, okay, she's a really good classical guitarist. Like, I, I believe this. When you compare it to, like, yeah. Prairie playing, you know, Three like... Three notes. Yeah, playing, like, the, 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 the violin equivalent of the... I'd love it if he found a pianist who was just playing that on the piano and is like weeping in the train station as she's playing it. It's the most beautiful thing yeah. I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you. This is the first time where I actually thought, okay, okay, I, I believe this woman died and came back. Yeah. Um, did you realize when you were watching that at the very beginning before he ever went to talk to her? That um that he must be there to sort of hunt her down. Yeah, I, I kind of assumed fairly early on that this was the fifth person who um the Arabic speaking lady whose name completely escaped Katoon. me. Katoon, uh, who Katoon was talking about in the previous episode or the one before three or four. It was one of those two. Um, yeah, I, sh- I assumed Renata was going to be the fifth. Okay, awesome. Uh, we get sort of we cut back and forth between Cuba and uh wherever they are, the quarry, I suppose we'll call it. Uh, a couple of times so Scott is because we don't really know where they are in the country do we Scott is screaming for help because uh, they see someone coming to the to the door oh no no actually no no that's later on he actually doesn't see anyone at this point he's just saying he's just screaming he's just screaming Um, yeah he's he's just screaming which I feel like Scott would have learned by now doesn't work Um, but apparently yeah but it kind of reminds me of um, of uh, Room you know where where they they scream uh, and she t- tells her son that they uh, they scream for the aliens to come and get them. Yeah, yeah, it could just um, be him not giving up hope, even though it's kind of a little bit futile at this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so Homer uh, is practicing um, the movement that he's learned, and they sort of start discussing these idea of these movements uh, and the idea that they might be connected. So I think um, at the end of the last episode, you would you would sort of, ast- I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your understanding of what they did when they woke up was more of like a physical movement, which sort of logged the idea that they had they had went through the experience that Prairie had went through yeah. in terms of Homer. Yeah, I didn't but see act- the I didn't yeah. see the movement being a kind of um, uh, like a ritualistic thing that actually had power in and of itself. Yeah, exactly, um, and that is. To be honest with you, I love I love that, and I and I love the guttural noises of the movements, mm. and I love sort of how unhuman they are yeah. in a way. <clears throat> yeah, they're um, really interesting the way they're they're really interesting, and unlike anything I've really seen on in TV before, especially in the way that they're portrayed in terms of what they can do and stuff. Mm. Um, but but that is like the movements. Uh, there's been a lot of um, chat from the creators of the show, Brit and Zal, uh, in that whenever the movements had first when this episode first came out. Um, there's some people who had a laughing reaction at the movements, like they found it just funny because it's being so silly. Yeah, that was um, me. I think I was like, "These mm-hmm. are ridiculous." But I'm, but I, yeah, yeah. but I respect the movements for not having, um, 
for not insisting on making the characters look cool or attractive or being like you know mm-hmm. these uh, like artful balletic hand waving elven magic in lord of the rings kind of things mm-hmm. like there's there's something very distinct about them even if they're kind of jarring um at first at first yeah, they are very jarring at first i will agree with that because it's it's unlike anything you've really seen in a tv yeah. show before um and uh basically the, what I really uh, respected about the creators of the show is they were asked by an interview, like, what do you think about people, some people having a laughter reaction to them? And uh, they said, anyone, whatever reaction you have to them is a legitimate reaction, and that's absolutely fine. So okay. it is what it is. minded of them. Yeah, and the, the, the show is what it is, you know, that this is what they do. Um, and this is the moment where maybe, like, I to be, to be honest with you, we'll get to it at the end of the episode, but the, the way that the movements are used, it, I really love it. But we'll talk about it later on. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, Scott uh, destroys his plant, which is actually, now that we uh, have been corrected by the listeners, Jesus, a lot of weight to that. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a moment that, that we that is... obviously appreciated in its entirety because yeah. we knew that it was Scott who talks to his plants and we were testing you. Yeah, exactly. Well, I did by that point, but you didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. I was like, don't know, don't know why they're showing us Scott destroying his plant. That seems irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, she, 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 Rachel should be destroying hers. Yeah. But basically, um, he he's sort of making fun of the movements, and he he say he still thinks that Prairie's hallucinated. Yeah. Um. So obviously they're building up how much how much of a mock like he he thinks it's really stupid what they're doing. Yeah. And that's really important that build up for later on. Um. And I I just love the line from Scott Prairie. I liked you better when you were blind. <laughs> yeah. He. Um. I th- I suspect by the end of this episode, Scott is a, has has reached a um road to Damascus moment in his character arc. Um. But he was racing up the dickhead charts um, in this episode. He really was. He did a couple of things where it's like, all right, you're just a twat as well. Like this is yeah, they're really ramping it up here. Just to... yeah, like yeah, he, he, and I feel like it's all in service of you know where his uh, where his character ultimately ends up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so Hap is back in Cuba. He's talking to Renata. Yep. Um, there was an interesting moment where. Uh, he offered her a cigar, and she said, "Are you a feminist?" Uh, yeah, and then he—I don't understand. He that. said, "I I like symmetry." Um, I think it was—I think it was like, to be honest, with you, I think it was a bit of, a bit of a clunky way. Uh, well, it read this like this to me. It read it read it's a little bit of a clunky way to add grayness into Hap's character. Yeah, because I, I feel like they're already like, doing that though. It seemed really unnecessary yeah. to me if that's what they're trying to do because it's it's I don't know like. They're, they're, it's a weirdly written show this because it has moments like that where the write, the writing just doesn't feel like it's if it doesn't feel like it's trying to say anything that it hasn't already said in a better way better and more subtle way already but then there's other mm. moments where like I think Jason Isaacs like the, the, the way his character is portrayed particularly in this episode and in the previous episode has been generally really good like the we'll get to it later but the um, section where he talks to the uh, police officer and then the section where he's with Homer in Cuba those are both like great moments of characterization for him that really kind of show the duality of his, of, of his character so this scene here I was a bit like mm, I don't know if I buy this and to be honest the, the thing that really struck me in this conversation with Renata is the fact that he knows about Renata's father's work Renata seems yep. to imply that her father is a writer or a poet of some description poet, yeah, yeah. Um, which that begs the question why is his work important to Hap who is a scientist and you know who is he and, and, and will we find out any more about him it kind of it seems to imply that like Hap has arrived at this idea of the research that he's doing based on almost like maybe like not not religious scripture if he was a poet, but you know someone has written about something in a way that has kind of emotionally touched Hap and driven him to mm-hmm. try and find the scientific truth behind it. Maybe that's kind of my read of of that because um, I potentially yeah I can't um, imagine a poet mm-hmm. being like oh by the way uh, afterlife is real <laughs> and and you know <laughs> yeah. it seems unlikely. Um, it is interesting. I think there's also a, an argument for like um, that he heard her playing um, and he thought oh, okay she's had a near death experience and then he went and like researched her to the teeth yeah to that's sort possible. of have an ear, have an in with her yeah, you know what I mean that is definitely possible yeah just get her on the plane any 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 means necessary yeah. but. Uh, Basically, like, so he sort of has a go with her. She sort of, he sort of strikes out, and then she starts dancing with two young fellas. Yeah, he, uh, he, yeah, he doesn't seem happy about it. He seems humiliated and annoyed at the same time. And I think there's there's a really interesting um, element of kind of toxic masculinity that's introduced into Hap's character here, where we see 
that he he will then like obviously take Homer to try and do what what he does later in this episode but it's done not just for scientific reasons is my read on it like i think he feels slightly mm. emasculated here and then when he sees homer's growing relationship with prairie he feels that yeah. same emasculation again and he and he actually the thing that he does although he can justify it scientifically there is an element of spite to it as well which i think is a really interesting layer to add to hap's character at this point um mm. it just just makes him even more villainous in my eyes yeah, in fact, in fact, the jealousy or that feeling that he had is so strong later on that he literally kills Scott. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's being built upon throughout this episode in a, in a really interesting way. Mm. Um, okay, so um, Hap goes back. He gets back uh, into the into the house, and he sees them in the uh, in the monitors doing the movements mm. while listening um, to and- a very interesting podcast or whatever it is that he's listening to. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have any earphones in at that point, did he? No. Uh- no, the earphones do come back later in this, and my first thought was, "You've put those in your mouth, you disgusting yeah. bastard." Anytime he's listening to something, I need to I need to question whether there is his own saliva in his ear. Yeah. That's what I need. To, yeah, that's I'm always questioning that with Hap, to be honest. Yeah, with you. I mean, and you know, rightfully so as well. Like that is the that is the question that the creators of this show have put in our minds: is what has he been sucking on prior to this? <laughs> prior to this yeah. scene, um, <laughs> yeah, Hap's, Hap's saliva has to be in his ears at all times, and the thing is that. <laughs> That's what. That's actually the little stuff that he puts on their ears is actually his own saliva. Yeah, he's got like jars of it. It's like, yeah. The real experiment is what happens with my salivas in as many people's <laughs> ears as possible. Yeah. How many people can I rub saliva all over before I'm arrested? Um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. So the thing he's listening to, it just it, it was interesting me interesting to me because it invokes the name of the multiverse and this idea of expanding universes um, and the kind of ever expanding context of our existence. So, you know, we thought like Earth went around the sun, then we found out about our solar system, mm-hmm. and then we found out about other solar systems and other galaxies and so on and so on. Um, so it just kind of. You know, it's just a little bit of set dressing. There's a bit of that actually in yeah. this episode with people listening to stuff in the background. That's kind of like that sounds like it might be important later. Like, probably should should probably keep an eye on that one. Yeah, and I actually uh, remember hearing that in the background, and I was like, "Do I do I pause it and go back and listen to this?" Probably I was like, "Nah, Conrad will listen to that." Yeah, Conrad, will I got to it. That. Don't you so worry about that. I heard something about planets and something about. So he you know, he, he put... says the word multiverse, which is like, "All right, here we go." Enter the Spider Verse. Lily Dallas Multiverse. Miles Morales uh, is going to turn up. Yeah, well, hopefully that that would that would be that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, so basically, um, Homer says, "Are we not allowed to exercise?" Because Hap goes down and starts questioning them on these movements. Yeah. Um, and then they get luckily uh, saved by the bell, quite literally. Someone comes to the door, mm. a policeman, and they all start screaming, "Help us! Help us!" There's a moment just before that where Prairie, in response to the questioning, starts whistling, and it gave me real yeah. one flow of the cuckoo's nest vibes, where they're just like, "We're just going to be shit to you because we're in this together, and you can't break us." And <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. I kind of wish there was more of that because you get this scene, and then it's just immediately they are broken in various different ways. Um, but yeah, that moment of Prairie whistling, Prairie whistling, gave me real Jack Nicholson vibes in that movie. Real comedian. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, basically, uh, the policeman arrives. He asks, "What's going on with the What's going on with the noise?" Well, that's just my rock music I listen to. Yeah, just um, rocking out in the mine, sheriff. Yeah, exactly. And you know, he's he's fine with that. Uh, doesn't seem to be a snob in that way. But uh, basically, he questions uh, why his house is looking so homey, because uh, apparently he used to live like a sw- a slob. Um, now, from what I can gather. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I can't remember fully exactly if I'm right. But I'm I'm pretty sure by the explanations, his wife has MS. Um, ALS, I which I think is what oh, we ALS, call. Okay. I, th- I think ALS is either Lou Gehrig's disease or MS. It's one of those two. I I can't remember off the top of my head. But I would it's... imagine it, it can't be MS as well. Like, imagine you can't MS can't be called also called ALS. Is it, or maybe Why it's motor neuron disease. I, motor I, neuron disease. I, I think yeah, that might um... be what we call ALS. But but yeah, I mean okay, it, gotcha. But it's basically yeah, like I mean as as the the sheriff describes, it's basically a gradual loss of all kind of physical. Uh, and eventually a brain function um and and again this is a, a really interesting scene perhaps character because it shows this i don't think the intention is to humanize him so much as it's to show how he justifies his awful behavior to himself like he can point to moments yeah. like this internally and say i'm a good person because i'm trying to help this this sheriff whose wife yeah. is dying a horrible slow death 
Um, he's going to look up for some new new medicine from Europe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we know he's unscrupulous, so why not a like, like he can <laughs> get some get some drugs in from Europe. Um, but yeah. it's a, it's a great little scene. This, you know, it's it's five minutes, and it's I, I really enjoyed just this this little interaction. Um, and um, and it, you know, it shows us the outside of his house as well, which gives us some context for where for where they all are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The only other time we've really seen it is when Prairie is running to the to the cliff's yeah. edge. Yeah. Um okay, so um uh Prairie and Homer uh are right up like they're sort of sitting next to each other and lying down on their beds with the water on like sort of the condensation on the on the the, the pane of glass between them. Yeah. And uh they they're touching hands. Now, on first on first and Hap sees them in the monitor and when I first saw this it, I was like, what are you doing? He's going to know you're not blind now. And possibly that he would know she's not blind there, but also in my head, I was like, if I saw a blind person doing that, would I assume that means they're not blind? No, because... I would assume the person you know... who can see is, is following their hand or something. You know? exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but later on, he doesn't seem to be too surprised when Scott says that she's not blind. So potentially that's sort of what they were saying. It doesn't really matter at the, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're having a nice little moment. So the relationship between Prairie and Homer is growing. Yeah, and um, as Hap, this is the moment where Hap has the earphones in. He's listening to Renata playing as he's watching this in his in his dirty spit covered headphones, um, and then there's that intercutting of Renata dancing with the two men and Prairie and Homer, which to me obviously shows what he's thinking, what 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 his plan is, but also yeah. I think is an illustration of the same emasculation he feels and and this kind of rising desire in him to essentially subdue homer and kind of re-exert his power over homer mm-hmm. um which says a lot about hap's character yep uh so buck i know buck sorry i'm reading my notes from a page page later forgive me listeners uh i'm quite new at this whole game uh so <laughs> basically hap sorry hal hap buck whatever they're called uh hap actually takes homer he does yeah just whips him away to uh to Cuba, as we find out yeah, later. And, yeah, and as we know, uh, Prairie loves a loves a cliffhanger of a story. So basically, that's the end of her story. She then off she goes back home. Her and Nancy have a little uh, lock of eyes through the window. I th- think that was just implying that there seems to be a distance growing between uh, Prairie and her parents. To be honest with yeah. you, I feel it. Um, and uh, I think that Nancy's worried about her, but doesn't really know what to do. Uh, BBA. Um, is playfully doing uh, like sort of having a go at a movement in the mirror. Yeah, so and she kind of seems a bit kind of coy and silly about it. Um, but you know, the fact she's trying it shows that she believes it. Um, and yeah. and again, we get what could just be set dressing, but might also be important. We get news about a a shooter, a shopping mall, who's on the run. Uh, mentioned on the on the radio and if i know anything about anything when a criminal being on the run is mentioned on the radio that criminal's turning up at some point later in the show <laughs> in, in a show very interesting i've never noticed i'm that looking before. forward to it being alexander from dark <laughs> he, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he was here before yeah. <laughs> he was here before he went uh i think everyone was right he did come from another yeah. universe Boris uh, it turns up yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are we going to get Yasin in this show? Who knows? Uh, maybe we already have. So basically, uh, in school, in school, they're all hanging about around the table. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a few points here to notice. One is that they mentioned the invisible self again, so that mm. idea is remaining around. Uh, they're also questioning uh, the idea of eating the creatures and getting a movement. That's so having a chat around that as well. Yeah. Uh, Steve says um, he's not on the uh lacrosse team so he never learned to swallow it's a pretty good burn i have to say like (laughs) like in 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 the in the pantheon of childish school retorts that's pretty good i have to say yeah yeah steve steve he's he's got he's got a bit of humor to him yeah Uh, yeah and uh they're they're speaking like so they're questioning about whether whether or not homer's alive or not is he dead now um is that the end of the story uh, interesting interesting part of this is that um French's coach is like watching them from the little oh, balcony area. Yeah, this guy, like principal dickhead up here, like, you know, <laughs> maybe you should hang around with a more kind of like well adjusted group of kids to improve your chances of a future. It's like, come on, dude. It's two thousand and sixteen. Like this get out yeah. of nineteen eighty five, all right? Um yeah. I'd... Well he prides he, he prides himself on his high school anthropology. 
Yeah, I mean, the, even the fact that he calls it anthropology, it, like sent like shivers down my spine. This, this, I don't like this character at all. Yeah, like he just, he just, uh, he can't, he can't. I don't know. Like it sort of implies that they're his subjects. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're they're not really. He's just he, there's something for him to study. Uh, and I mean, really, like apart from Steve, are any of them that bad? Like Je- Jesse and Buck seem absolutely fine. They don't ever seem to be in trouble. I guess Jesse smokes weed, like, uh, and that's probably yeah. He's probably one of the stoner kids. But I don't know. Like it, it's the French get some interesting stuff in this episode, uh, and, and it kind of starts here, I think, with, the, with his coach. You know doing what all dickhead coaches do and trying to guide him away from the people that he actually likes. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's funny that it, like if the coach is looking on and like BBA's there too. <laughs> yeah, he includes her in that. Stay away from yeah. that one. I can't actually what does BBA teach? Is she English? I think it's maths. maths like I, okay. I saw her in the first episode whenever she was like on a little laptop in bed planning uh planning for class, there was like pi, like the, the symbol pi was on her screen. So okay, I that maths. means maths. <laughs> yeah, that means maths to me. To me. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, she goes to therapy, Prairie does, mm-hmm. and uh, with Riz Ahmed again. Probably should learn his name. And uh, she, this, they're having a chat, and she's playing a game. And uh, she's basically she's talking. First of all, she asks him like, "How do you get the confidence to guide another person? Like, how can you know that you're making the right decisions?" Um, and he says, "Well, you don't always know that. Like, you know, it takes practice, and I make a lot of mistakes." Um, she also uh, references the idea that the people who who she left behind in the captivity are now off the board at this stage in the episode what did you take that to mean so i mean to be honest as soon as she said that i was thinking those fuckers are in another universe we've mentioned <laughs> we've mentioned multiverse she said they're off the board they've gone they, they've they've gone to another plane of existence that's where they've gone um so i kind of went straight to the end game of this <laughs> like no no messing about like they they okay. they've slipped through the veil of reality to somewhere else I think um so we'll see where that is Yeah interesting okay you just you just yeah yeah take the smallest crumb and go with it <laughs> Yeah listen uh, that's that's the Conrad way we're going to yeah. we're going to we're going to we pick up the ball and we run with it no matter how stupid it might seem Okay awesome uh, there was also an interesting moment where she it seems that she has questioned whether or not that whole time in the bunker actually was real or, or if it even happened yeah um, and and she sort of alludes to the idea that you can't make up love so her love for Homer is the reason why uh, that she knows it happened I think there's there is a large number of celebrity stalkers who would argue, uh, who the psychologists would argue you very much can make up love um, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, it would be great, like if, because I mean, when you actually reflect on how this narrative is, is structured, it's her, t- it's her telling the whole story. So you know, yeah. if they got to like the end and they're like, "Sorry, unreliable narrator, she was just crazy," <laughs> and like none of this ever happened, that would be. Um... Is that something you see happening? No, I can't. Like, I think, I don't know. I feel like she's so she's positioned as so honest and earnest that I'd be really surprised if they actually had her being dishonest in her retelling of the story i mean i could see i could see her getting some things wrong in her retelling of the story um which could be an interesting narrative device uh but i don't think it's going to be like oh no she was just crazy the whole time and the show ends with her being taken off by the men in white coats uh and and i well at the at the the same time like the show doesn't end remember it ends after two seasons got cancelled yeah so maybe there's going to be room for for theorizing about how that could possibly be the case yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that. But just a reminder to the listeners: whatever Conrad decides happens after season two is canon. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, that's we're 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 here to end this show canonically. So uh, you're yeah. you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, we will we'll get there eventually. So uh, okay, so we're we're at the most boring fucking dinner oh. of all time, and uh, nice to see Buck in the choir though. And yeah. uh, French is French is sitting at a table. Uh, generic little, white rich white businessman one and a load two. of old white guys like, uh, where's the of, money in the... music uh, <laughs> you want to get into business kid <laughs> she's yeah. like what he's are like, you doing? he's like oh yeah with with lovely non-white skin like yours you should think about politics yeah it's just like oh my god the, the the i don't think these two had scripts i think they were just given direction being like <laughs> be the biggest cocks you can possibly be you've got 30 seconds <laughs> Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just... I, I, I was I was hoping for another mention of the bees uh, essay, but we didn't, we didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. 
French's famous bees essay. Yeah, you don't get there with music. What you need is a great bees essay. Yeah, we need a, we need someone who essay. can write like five thousand words about bees exclusively <laughs> at a high school level. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so um, he goes outside because uh, his mom's disappeared. Yeah, she's outside uh, chatting up uh, uh, Peyton's dad, whoever that is. Uh, so Peyton obviously is another scholarship winner. Or something. Oh, yeah, Peyton's probably uh, on the lacrosse team with a name like that. Yeah, or, or or a female. Oh yeah, I guess it could be a female ma- name actually. Yeah, I'd like uh, whenever I think of Peyton, I just think of Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, so anyway, but anyway, either way, it's the dad. So the dad is sort of getting chatted up by by French's mom. Yeah, French says, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And then we get some really interesting uh, characterization of the mom here because yeah. she puts she puts across the idea like you know you, you always talk about what I haven't done. What about what I have done? I've, you know, I, I gave you a life that could have that had the potential for this to become to come true, and you don't. And basically, she says also, you don't need this to be the man you'll be. You'll be that man no matter what. Uh, what did you take from this little moment? I think uh, I, my my read of it is really just that it's a moment to expand upon her character because I think it is quite easy to pigeonhole her, particularly if she's going to be a fairly minor character into just. She's an alcoholic mother. She's fairly absent. French has to do like ninety percent of the of the quote unquote real parenting and leave it at mm-hmm. that, and uh, basically have her exist as an obstacle to French achieving success or his dreams or whatever. But I think it's it's nice that they're actually taking the time to say no, let you know, let's let's expand upon upon this character a little bit and um, expand upon what they've gone through to get them to where they are. So I I think this conversation to me implies that there's been some kind of trauma in her past mm. uh which she is still dealing with now and maybe she deals with through alcohol i i'm assuming she's an alcoholic and that's why she can't work um i i, I haven't like kind of fully interrogated that but i think that's my read of it is either the alcoholism or um the gambling yeah or the gambling or some some kind of some kind of um a pro- problem with with uh, yeah. substance abuse or addiction that's that's led to her not being able to work but um and I wonder if it has something to do with his father, except he like it seems suspicious that his father has like never been mentioned, as far as I can tell. Um, but but yeah, mm-hmm. so I think I'd like to know what it is that led to her being this way, just so we can feel a bit more empathy for the character. And it seems like they're going in that direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, there's also a moment whenever they're whenever they're walking back to the house. Um, French questions bark and asks, you know, are we the good guys? Yeah. Basically. Which I thought was a really interesting thing to, to do going into what we see later in the episode with Hap. And he's talking about like, you know, well, Hap was young at one point. He was at high school. He would have been on a football team or whatever. So how do we know that we're not the bad guys? Yeah, I think it's it's um it's a level of introspection that I don't know if I'd buy from any of these characters apart from French, given mm. how much of life he seems to have already lived at this point. Um but it's an interesting idea, particularly um, when, you know, he has a mother who has hit one of those kind of turning points in her life where things seem like they started to go wrong for her after that. I think Hap probably is the same. I, I think the fact his wife isn't around to me implies that there was some kind of traumatic death or event in his life, which has led to him doggedly pursuing this idea of the afterlife. And I think French's questioning is is justified. You know, you can be a good person right up until the moment that something happens to you which stops you from being a good person um mm-hmm. and and um that i think that's how bad people are made or i think that's what this show is saying that's how bad bad people are made um by you know good people being being turned turned that way through events outside of their control so i'll be interested to see if they actually explore that anymore with these characters um i kind of hope it doesn't though because they're already young so that would be very heartbreaking if it did yeah yeah exactly they turn into bad guys yeah. but uh Okay, so um, Homer wakes up in the plane then. We're back in the story. Homer wakes up in the mm. plane. Um, Hap uses his general sort of don't do any shit uh, line where he's like, all your friends are going to die. They're going to starve. Um, he explains that there's a, there's a microphone in his shirt. So uh, don't uh, you, you'll, uh, he'll be able to hear everything he does. He says, don't talk too loudly. You'll give me a headache. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love the idea of him asking Homer to be considerate in the volume that he's talking. I know. Talking him while like kidnapping him. <laughs> I would just be like, ah, the whole <laughs> yeah, time. just constantly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Homer also uh, he's in the shower and he smacks his head against the shower wall. Yeah. I don't know, maybe just to try and wake himself up, or he, you know, doesn't know what's 
Yeah, I, I think he just, he's just kind of experiencing like sensory overload at this point. Yeah. Like he doesn't really know what he's doing. He he's probably experiencing some some degree of pleasure from you know being able to have a shower for the first time in in I can't remember how long he's been there for. It's like eighteen months at this point or something. I um, know oh at this point we're talking six seven years. Oh. Well, because it took them, it took them like a year to for him to die. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Three years to get to, to eat the thing. Yeah, that's right. So, so yeah, like years and years. And so, years. He, he, yeah, he's. He, he, I think he's just feeling overwhelmed by the entire experience at this point. He doesn't really know what he's going to do, and then very rapidly he decides what he's going to do. Which, to be honest, I didn't think was a bad idea. I thought he did the exact right thing, except, um, yeah. except he didn't go to the right people. Yeah, he should have went to the police. Yeah, um, just immediately go to the police. Yeah, so he basically tries to escape. How? How? how geez, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Hap, Hap has obviously <coughs> told uh, the staff at the hotel about him. Um, said that he's uh, he's got brain damage from his high school accident. Um, so basically, he just gives him a big chat, and he's back on side. Um, so mm. he's, he's he's gonna sort of execute the plan now. Uh, he, he has to convince uh, Renata to come up to the room. Uh, now, when they go to the restaurant, um, it seems that uh, Homer is actually, you know, in trance with Renata's playing as well, yeah. and he seems to sort of be be sort of attracted to her as well. Um, there's also some 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 interesting stuff about like Hap almost acting like his father in like you know uh, you know have the cigarette, you know, or oh, we can smoke cigars later. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's this weird really father son relationship here, but um, yeah, I did, it, it feels um, it feels quite voyeuristic. Like Hap wants his kind of adopted son to go and have sex with this woman that he can't have <laughs> have sex with yeah and i will also say actually at this point i was never really sold on the idea of this plan like the idea that homer in the state i'm not saying homer's an unattractive young man you know he's, he's perfectly attractive but the idea that he in the state that he's in is ready to go and seduce this very sexually active young woman who you know knows what she wants and she knows what she's like and she's gonna go and get it and the idea that homer's like the man that she'll pick out in a crowd to me was a bit like I don't think this guy is firing on all cylinders when it comes to seduction at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, well, she seemed to be sort of whenever he wasn't feeling up for it or whatever, she seemed to she seemed to be a little bit forceful on him. To be honest with you, and I think that maybe Hap had observed her or stalked her enough that he sort of knew that she would be sort of a Homer would be a victim. Uh, could be, yeah. Maybe, maybe he kind of, maybe he sort of, uh, he he clocked her uh, her preferences, so to speak, and um, mm-hmm. figured out that Homer fit the bill. Yeah, I will say we skipped over it there, but whenever Homer's saying that he would call the FBI, there's a moment that I found was interesting, and it's prob- I didn't even I didn't even want to search it up uh, because I just you know couldn't be bothered. But basically, uh, Hap says that there's over f- approximately five hundred thousand empty quarries like the one near the house in north america that, that seems like, like a lot that sounds like an awful lot to me that's like if you're talking about like in in the um, like the usa pop, population of the usa that's like one quarry for every 700 people yeah yeah i i think that's a, that's a lot that seems like too many to me but also i mean this scene i went back and forth on haps like reasoning for why homer couldn't just escape so the fact they're in cuba i was like okay that is quite clever because you can't really just call the fbi from there because obviously cuba and america aren't on the best of terms um politically or diplomatically speaking but at the same time you've got out just fucking make loads of noise get the police to arrest you and then once you've been arrested you can explain it all to them there like the 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 only thing you can't do is let him gently walk you back to the hotel room and then fly you back to captivity it just i don't know he just he i think he really does believe that hap would kill them uh rather than get caught yeah i guess so i i just to me it was like it was more it was more frustrating for me than a source of empathy. I was like, "Why are you 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 are desperate to get back to your kid? Why aren't you taking this opportunity to 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 just fucking run for the hills?" Um, but I think that's realistic, though. Like you hear you hear you do hear about people who are kept in the basement for eight years or whatever, and there's moments where they actually do get taken to like the doctor and stuff by their by their captor and they still go back into the you know the yeah basement. i guess so, so maybe maybe I, maybe I just don't don't know enough about like how you can normalize extreme 
um forms of like living situations but yeah my, my initial read of it was just like just get out of there homer just run and smash a car oh, window yeah, i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie my head my head did go to just just run yeah you know even when even when they're standing outside and he's talking to him and he's saying where are you gonna go you know still you could still just run yeah away, or just break break know? a car window the police will come and arrest you and then and then you're away from homer and then and then you have some time to explain uh, away from hap and you have time to explain yeah. yourself like it's yeah it was uh, but i i think um that plus the fact that homer didn't really seem to be uh this this sort of suave james bond type seduction force of seduction <laughs> that that Hap seemed to think he was were kind of kind of took me out of this this uh this little arc a, uh, a bit but I'll say this: that. it brought they brought me back into it with some more of that weird writing that we were talking about. Um, <laughs> there's some lines during the sex scene that I was like, "What? How do you even write these? Like, they're not." What, you're an angel. Well, and you, I believe, at one point Homer says, "You taste like cold water," which I was just like, "I, it's, I, I don't. I, I'm kind of incredulous about it. I didn't dislike it." It was just so weird that I was kind of like, okay, that's that's a line that I <laughs> that happened. Yeah. Didn't think, did I've never thought I'd he- I hear someone say during sex. Um, <laughs> but it's not, yeah, it's not necessarily bad. I don't want it to come across like I'm saying, oh, I didn't like it. It just was, it's just a very weird line. But and, and that kind of got me back on board because it's just this. There's this weird kind of like artistry to the way some of this is written, where you just have to be like, okay, weird stuff is happening, and I'm just going to accept it at face value now. <laughs> Yeah, you taste like cold water. Yeah. Uh, also, what do you think about the fact that um, he was? It got to the point where, I, and when I first time watched, it, I was willing it to happen too, where he literally said, "No, please leave, please leave." And Renata had the chance to leave. Yeah. Now maybe she, maybe she didn't. Maybe Hap would have just been standing on the other side of the door. Baseball but... bat. <laughs> yeah. like bonk. Yeah. Nick. <laughs> yeah. There's another one for you. Yeah. Another NDE. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. He, so Homer eventually did say, "Just leave, just leave." Yeah. So. I don't know. At least he can tell himself that he at least he offered it, offered her the chance. Yeah, he was he was trying not to, and I I don't feel too. I don't think he has anything to feel guilty about. Like in this kind of situation, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You could be dead mm. permanently tomorrow. Uh, so it's kind of like I can understand that like kind of animalistic urge to just pursue any kind of source of pleasure or or, or positive emotion the moment yeah. that it's offered to you because you don't know if you're going to get any other chances again before you die. Yeah, and I think and I think um based on the 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 dialogue from uh Prairie whenever French is pissed off at Homer for doing that and Prairie sort of talks it through and says, Well you have to think about it, he's been locked up for this long and she she even like in her state when she's telling the story, she understands that. Yeah. And she she sees that point. I think when he when when Homer and Renata first get brought back uh, I think there is a fair bit of jealousy in and and but you know the feeling of betrayal within Prairie, um, that uh, because obviously we didn't mention it, but Hap plays the sound of Homer and Renata having sex yeah. over the 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 basement. I, I see. I think I I think it's notable to me that the first thing that Prairie says when 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 he does that is he's alive. Um, yes, I did. Yes, I saw that. I thought that. So well. I I think that's significant that even when you know she is confronted with i mean what is essentially kind of presented almost as an infidelity from uh from homer um here yeah. you know that he, he's cheating on her even though they're they not like a, a, a sexual couple they are they are presented as yeah. a pair um it, i think it, it speaks to her kind of empathy and understanding as a character that her first thought is oh good he's alive because you know this is him having sex with this other woman um and I think you know she was only going to get more understanding from there. So I I, I didn't get too much tension for, between her and Renata, but maybe I missed maybe I missed some glances. No, not between her and Renata. I'm not. Oh, I'm between her and Homer. Whenever, yeah, whenever Homer got back, she was on the floor with her head to the uh, ground. Yeah, and she yeah, wouldn't sure. Talk okay, yeah. So there 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 was a bit between between her and Homer, but um, but I think that's understandable, and and it didn't take them that long yeah. to didn't take them that long to move past it either. Well, yeah, exactly. Actually, um, well, later on, uh the well there's something that happens in between this but whenever they first start doing the movements um there's a whole it's like no dialogue to it but there's a whole forgiveness moment between her and homer yeah. which happens uh and they and they eventually uh, you know 
succumb to that and they forgive each other or she, she forgives him and then they just start doing the movements together obviously we're not talking about what they're doing the movements about just yet but there is that moment yeah. which ends that sort of little arc of them yeah yeah and I, I think it's you know that is that is where those emotions kind of culminate in this violent um well i don't want to call it violent but it's it's quite an aggressive uh series of motions and it, and it almost kind of sub- works as a substitute for an argument you know the the, yeah, the yeah. way they're performing these these um these movements at each other but they they end with a positive resolution for all involved yeah for, for, yeah, for everyone yeah <laughs> um even half because he's because he's not guilty guilty of murder in this I d- I d- yeah, it's but... an interesting ethical question that I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think i don't know if that would hold up is it attempted or is it actually murder yeah, yeah. interesting uh okay so basically scott gets uh the, the gas comes for scott um and uh and, but it's, it's broken so he takes him alive mm alive awake and um basically scott is really afraid oh he, because he's not every bean in the world he spills it right here just like you know <laughs> yeah. we get celestial door they're trying to open mentioned which is like okay there you go multiverse and celestial door invoked in uh in one episode yeah. and like celestial is an interesting word because obviously you know celestial kind of implies the stars but more than that i think it implies the heavens like in a kind of judeo-christian mm. sense which leans yeah. leans quite heavily into that sort of angelic uh mythos that we had in the pre- previous two episodes so i think beyond which which would that would line up with prairie's experiences in her nda yeah it? exactly so so i think you know i think the multiverse theory is going to incorporate or i hope it does at least i think it's going to incorporate more uh, iconography of like judeo-christian religion which i think will be really cool if there is a multiverse that is potentially what uh this serves as the foundation for that series of beliefs because mm-hmm. If, if that's the case you know every every organized religion may have its own multiverse like maybe you know muhammad is hanging out in one or something like that um, yeah, yeah so i'm really interested to see see how far they go with with that idea of um you know organized religion meshing into these these other universes yeah awesome uh and you say he spills the beans basically he's afraid that he's going to die because he's too weak to withstand being killed again yeah which is a really strange sentence, but it it does make sense. <laughs> I, I tr- promise, 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 promise here. But basically, um, yeah. So he says, "Celestial door." He's he even gives up that she's blind. Which again, I say, Hap didn't seem too surprised by. He, he um, does pause. But then, he pauses when he's like, "Oh, oh, yeah, oh, she can see," and it's like you. And like this was where yeah. Scott was racing up, racing up the charts after Steve here. I was like, Scott, <laughs> yeah. come on, die with a little dignity. Yeah. Die, in, die in your feet like a man. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, uh, no pun intended. But basically, um, uh, he um, he also says that this is the thing that gets him killed. Basically, is that he says, you know, just because she doesn't love him, meaning she's fallen out with Homer, doesn't mean he's she's gonna love you. Yeah, and that really strikes a chord with Hap. You know, yeah, absolutely. And and for then, so I I didn't notice this any 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 of the times that we saw Homer die, but the 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 drowning helmet the helm of drowning appears to have two pins that the only purpose they serve is bursting your eardrums i don't know what those why well i think that i think the point of them well personally i think the point of them is is that they go in um and they they capture sound i think i think that's what they're doing right so okay. they're, they're captured i think they're little microphones but yeah. he obviously put them in far too far too much yeah i, I feel like um, like you shouldn't be able to extend them so far that you could burst someone's eardrums with them i think that's a pretty well, big you just never know how small someone's head's gonna be you know i mean I? yeah but like design the machine with the smallest possible head in mind and like you'll probably to be, be honest with you with what he's doing i think that the, the, what he's doing i think the idea of like you know the 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 making sure it's safe is a little strange to do <laughs> the whole point is That's trying true. to he's trying to kill them you know that is true but yeah. uh and he's also he's got no people from the government coming around and check checking it up to spec you know? that is you true know? yeah he's gonna he's gonna have like osha visit him and be like i'll tell you what this torture device isn't gonna pass muster so you gotta, <laughs> you gotta yeah yeah you got two weeks i've, to seen, sort I've seen i've seen orcas and sea world treated better than this <laughs> hap you know um basically uh um then what happens is so he dies yep. he starts bleeding from the ears hap carries him back i was questioning why hap didn't have a shirt on later and i think it's because it was covered in blood but still nice to see it yeah um, lovely stuff so yeah and so he dumps him into the thing um and basically 
uh, how, this is where the uh, Homer and Prairie uh, movement starts. And that sort of goes... And then they do it all night. Yeah. They do these movements all night long. Um, which is really interesting because, like, obviously they didn't know for sure what was going to happen. And they just were like, you know, we have this... They had a feeling deep within them that they had to this do this. Work, yeah. And they did it. Um, and then a fantastic piece of licensed music I found by Magical Clouds Downtown. I love. Mm. I just love this song. It's um, just stuck with my mind from this. Is, it, is this the one with the violin melody in it? That that's a li- that's a li- piece of licensed music, or is it the thing that plays after it when when he's actually waking up? Yeah, when he's waking uh, up. Okay, because yeah. because there's a really lovely. I, I I assume this is maybe written for the score, but there's a lovely violin melody that's playing um, as as they begin uh, the. Um, begin the um the uh sequence of movements yeah and i think it's also playing over the brief uh section of kind of blinking lights that i'm assuming it's scott seeing with like the kind of orange and red lights that seem to represent you know his own nde or you know him looking into the beyond or whatever it is that he's seeing there yeah um i will mention right now that uh a few people in the comments latrice being one of them uh did pick up and they said in the last episode on episode four's comments they said there's got to be a reason scott looks so much like jesus there's got to be a reason there you go and now what yeah they nailed it he comes back to life it's successful yeah even his hair looks like a crown of thorns and uh he comes back to life and they work and in this really emotionally charged Mm. moment he comes back to life he starts to laugh yeah uh, and he says, uh, "I noticed that Renata is absolutely fucking terrified." <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, on. she's been here like a day. She's like, "I thought yeah. I'd just been. I thought this was a terrorist situation, but apparently, yeah. we're doing magic here, which I'm not." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like, "I can't figure out if I like this or not." But basically, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so Scott goes up. He goes, "You." He says, "You were right. Uh, there are movements. Five of them. We need five people at least. Uh, the movements they do things you cannot imagine." Open a tunnel to another dimension, yep. our freedom. And this is the big kicker. I have the third movement. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big info dump at the end of this. And I kind of loved all of it. Um, I loved the blood flowing in reverse presentation, like the T-1000 yeah. reforming at the end of Terminator 2. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was great stuff. Um, I liked the, the, the way Scott pl- was played. Uh, there's a kind of innocence to the way he looks around. Like he, he kind of physically has dropped a lot of the weariness that that character had before mm-hmm. and he sort of stands more upright you know the 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 wounds on his torso have healed as well um as a result of this so you know he has literally um as well as kind of figuratively been resurrected here um yeah. the idea of these five movements it explains the, fu- the the people that prairie has got together in the present as well as in retelling this story and it mm-hmm. asks questions for us about well, okay, why does she need five people? Like, why does she need to open a door to another dimension? What happened to these people here? Um, you know, so yeah, because the way it en- the way it ends, I thought was quite emotional as well. Where she's like, "That's what we're going to do. We're going to teach you the movements so that we can open a door and I can go and rescue them." Yeah, so so I think at least some of these people, I think probably all of them, because I think it it would be a shame for characters like Rachel and Renata who haven't really had any or much screen time to 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 not you know become focal points of the show i think all of these characters have been sent to other dimensions i think my my guess for it is they're practicing this and they're trying to get these movements i think they're going to get all the movements but they're not going to know how to control the door they're going to create it and they're all just going to get thrown like to god knows where they're going to get thrown across the multiverse and prairie's job after that it like it probably happened to prairie as well which is why she woke up in like san francisco or whatever um mm-hmm. and um she's going to have to you know get get the boys together to go and find them um which uh yeah which i think could be it could be really interesting if we get like to go on a go on a road trip around the different uh the different areas of the multiverse um i'm assuming yeah that'd be very interesting I mean, I don't actually know what it is that's giving them these movements. I thought when it happened to Prairie that it was Katoon who was giving each of them these movements as a result of their NDE. But I guess with Homer's, mm-hmm. the implications, it's kind of not. It's something more intrinsic to the NDE itself that gives you that. Um, I, I don't fully know what's going on there. But I still think OA is... Oh, I still think Prairie is super important to this. I, f- I feel like... When when I was watching this, I was like, "Did you ever see or see the TV show of or read the graphic novel Preacher?" One of our friends is very no. into it. So, no. so um, 
that gets into like a kind of god is missing and everyone in heaven needs to pretend that he's not situation to keep to, to maintain mm-hmm. order and i wonder if we're getting into that kind of territory where it's like who is prairie like what's what's going on here guys is this going to turn out where she's like god and and she actually got an amnesia and is like wandering around the real world like alanis morissette um so that's where i am with this at the moment okay <laughs> very interesting uh it's a good point actually the idea that um that uh he has the third movement but maybe like does that imply that he ate something living while he was away you know you know what i mean it's interesting isn't it yeah I, well okay that's a good point actually yeah Bra- prairie ate the bird um he he ate um homer ate the the sea urchin so scott probably ate like a rat or something or a weasel or some <laughs> some, some kind of some kind of unfavorable I, animal yeah i know like it's not confirmed that that is the only way to get movements but it is like, we're, t- so we're two for two true. we're two for two at this point so it could be um yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I, I wonder. I, I assume uh, Scott has been forced to consume some kind of animal as well to get his to get his movement. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you want to head into the roundup? Yeah. Let's do it. Internet movie database rating eight point five. Um, I think that's probably fair. I think this is slightly better than the last two. Um, I think the the ending makes this episode. Yeah, there's a it, there's a lot of cool stuff in the ending. I really liked Renata as a character. We didn't get to see that much of her, but I really like what I've seen of her thus far. And even though th- there wasn't much in this episode that I didn't like, I think the only bit that didn't really work for me is Homer not just booking it as soon as um <laughs> as soon as he got out of Hap's clutches. But I think he had a concussion. <laughs> Smacking his head against. He probably did, yeah. Um, and he doesn't seem like the sharpest tool in the box either, to be honest. <laughs> to be honest, so yeah. Um, yeah, I, I suppose like Happy is kind of positioned as a very um, charismatic and kind of like ma- master manipulator. So it's not that unbelievable. It just didn't really work for me. But generally speaking, yeah, mm. I thought it was a really strong episode. And the stuff at the end asks all kinds of questions about where the show is going to go from here. So you know, what do the other movements do? If the two movements can bring people back to life what you know the, the 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 goal of the movements is to open a dimensional door by the sounds of things but if mm. you can also bring people back to life that's not opening a dimensional door that's something completely different so what else can yeah, they like, do so exactly yeah so scott scott said uh you know like um like we can they can do things which we can't even imagine yeah uh, what I, one thing that i always uh noticed what he said here as well and for people who've already seen all of the oa this might spark you know thoughts within you what he says is, you need at least five. Yeah. So my mind then goes to, well, does that mean the more people you have doing it, the more powerful it is? Yeah, I mean, this is literally getting back into Dragon Ball Z, Spirit Bomb, uh, on, yeah, on yeah. Boo territory. Like, everyone on Earth, or everyone in the universe, is going to do these motions at the same time in order to defeat the final bad guy of um, of the OA. That's where, to be honest with you, when I first watched the show, that's what I thought. I thought at some point I could just see us like having having like a whole stadium of people doing them, and yeah. like literally like the whole universe is re- reordered like, or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, like spitting on the ground. And, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like the fucking hacker that bit. Like it reminds me of, like the New Zealand yeah. rugby team. Yeah, uh, which which isn't a bad. Thing, no, it's a good thing. That's a cool thing. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I'd love to know where they got the influence for that from. Um, whether it was partially. Well, it's that actually or... a famous uh, dance choreographer. Um, oh, okay. Cho- choreographed the movements, and that's one thing that Zal and Britt actually said as well in an interview is that they were actually quite offended on behalf of the dance choreographer that people were calling it interpretive dance. Oh, um, I'm glad you said that because I was literally about to say it feels like interpretive dance to me. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think it's that they weren't like shitting on interpretive dance, but it's not the same art form. Like it actually. It's it's cre- the movements have been choreographed to have meaning in the story. Yeah. Now whether we get all that meaning, <clears throat> it's it's another thing. But um, yeah, but yeah. So there you go. Um, okay, so uh, one thing I will say, actually, no, I'll, I'll save this for later. I'll save this for later. Okay. Um, there's something that I noticed earlier in the season uh, in this rewatch while we're doing this uh, at a particular point that I think you'll find interesting. But I just. It's. I'll just say this. It's from a movement, and I don't know if we know that movement yet. So I'm gonna wait and see. Uh, okay. To, 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 you know what I mean? Okay. So uh, okay. So you want to get into the questions then? Yeah, let's do it. A stranger from the outside. First question 
comes from Minerva Minas, and it says, "Is the OA harder not to binge than dark?" Um, that's a hard question. I feel like I um, this is going to be a real unsatisfying non-answer, but I feel like they're kind of about level uh, because they're both very good at ending on notes that make me want to see the next episode um i think in in some ways the oa might actually be slightly harder purely because the oa seems to be kind of resolving what it sets up in the next episode uh, in the previous episode in the next episode for the most part or like or mm-hmm. to a certain extent um whereas dark would set stuff up like a season in advance um in a lot yeah. of cases so you wouldn't necessarily know as we found out with the fucking episode where, you know, we, we thought a character was going to show up and die and then they weren't even in the next episode. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, like, Dark would do stuff where, you know, you wouldn't necessarily know that what they've just set up you're going to see in the next episode. So there was it was slightly easier to kind of put down in that respect. But they are both really good at that. I think for all the... Um, I think there are more flaws in in the OA as a show than there are in Dark, but I still think it's it's very compelling and it's very good at at, at keeping that that momentum and that tension going uh, between episodes. Okay, awesome. Uh, all right, so question from MH: uh, Why did Katoon take away Prairie's sight? What was the te- uh, what was the terrible thing that she was not supposed to see? I mean, it did not spare Prairie from losing or mourning her father. And right now, I'm not aware of any uh, visually horrific event which she uh, was saved from witnessing. Yeah, I've been thinking about that, and I'm not. I'm not really sure. I, 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 um, I, I feel like it must be something that we haven't been shown yet. That's my. Uh, that's my assumption. Like, or, or something that she hasn't reported to. Um, to the boys and BBA because she's not aware that it happened because she was blind mm. while it was happening. That's that's kind of where my mind is at the moment. Um, because as 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 MH says, we haven't really seen any. I mean, you know, getting kidnapped not great, not a great thing to yeah, go yeah. through. But but it doesn't strike me as the kind of thing where this kind of caring omniscient figure would take away your eyes so you don't have to experience it. Um, so that I think that's my read of it is there must be something that she hasn't reported because she doesn't know it happened because she didn't see it um yeah. that we are yet to hear about okay interesting um i have a couple of theories on that but i'm not sure if i can go into them without giving conrad a bit too much but um okay so we'll we'll worry about that later so archmaster rennie says does conrad have an idea about the significance of five of five might be like there are five minute move, movements you need five people any idea about what the significance of that would be um I'm not sure. I hadn't really thought about the number before. I, d- I don't. I'm not. I, I can't sit here and claim to be an expert on religious iconography. But I wonder if they if their number five shows up, you know, in the Bible or in various organized religious proceedings that uh, that might indicate why um, why it's that number. Um, how many mm-hmm. how many elements were there in Captain Planet? Was it? Uh, it was Earth, Wind, five, five. Fire love or heart what was the other one heart yeah earth wind fire oh, oh wait no earth wind four. fire water water must have been one, water surely, and love so there you go and heart it's the five yeah. elements from captain planet and prairie's heart <laughs> but also the five elements from the fifth element that's true yeah that is true yeah i think i think we've sort of got it there we go uh, they're the planeteers uh, uh i can't remember the rap from captain planet <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know Captain Planet. Oh, what is it? We're the planeteers. Something, something, t- something, something. Down ooh. to zero. Saving the planet is the thing to do. Yeah, I can't. Oh yes, <laughs> I can't remember. I remember. I remember that now. It reminds me of the Pokemon rap. Yeah, it's, it's very, him, it's him, very, very much of that same ilk. Of this was clearly written by a white guy who doesn't really know anything <laughs> about rapping, but knows that the kids are into hip hop. <laughs> yeah, Autocuda Zubat. Right. Okay. So, um. Handsome Head Injury, uh, who I am going to dub, uh, I think Handsome Head Injury, we, it must be Homer. Uh, sure. Yeah. Homer, Homer, Homer is actually um, watching the podcast, which is great. Says, why does Hap, now this is actually quite insulting to the creators of the show, but we're just going to run with it. Why does Hap like music but hate interpretive dance? Um, Do we know that he, I guess he, he, 
<laughs> it's just an ironic question, Connor. I, I, no, we're going to take this seriously, all right? <laughs> I, oh, not, yeah, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. Not, I, I don't, we don't, there's no stupid questions on this show. Um, I yeah. don't think... I don't believe that Hap does like music. I, I, I think he, you know, he, he, no, no person who's into music would treat headphones the way he treats. <laughs> he treats yeah, ha- music is just a vessel to get saliva. Yeah, to give those earphones a good old, a good old suck. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he and 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 well, he clearly doesn't like music because he listens to people playing shitty piano, uh, piano, violin. I just concatenated two instruments there into a new <laughs> instrument, violin uh, pieces on the subway, and I was like, this is transcendent. Um, which it clearly isn't. Um, and then you know he throws on some death metal just to keep the cops away. So yeah, I, I don't think he likes music or interpretive dance, to be honest. Interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, it's not interpretive dance, but we'll go with it. Always the foreigner. Last question says more of a general observation. But in the scene where Hap is watching Renata's performance for the first time, there's a light fixture above his head uh, where th- three of the three shapes are lit up. Oh, there's three shapes, but only two of them are lit up, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. It just took me a bit of time to read it. I don't know why. Um, to me, it looked like a bir- kind of like a bird, uh, or bird-like. Specifically, with what could be interpreted as its head and only its wing being illuminated. Set designer trying to give this setting more character, or cartoon- is cartoon present in spirit? Well, I mean, she can take people's eyes away and, like, and you know, magic them back to life. So I don't have any reason to suspect that Katoon can't do other stuff as well. As well to yeah, be Katoon never misses the Renata performance. Yeah, oh, big, she loves it. She loves she loves classical guitar. Um, and you know she's a she's uh she's always there for Renata. I mean, she knew she knew what um Prairie was going to go through before she went through it. So no, no reason to think, believe that she wouldn't know what what uh Renata was going to go through before she went through it as well. Would be my legitimate answer to that. Um. Yeah, maybe maybe Katoon is a guiding hand in more than just Prairie's life. Could be. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it, it would be wild to me if there was like this deity and they were like each person only had had their own specific deity. Like that sounds like a lot of work in terms of multiverses. <laughs> but who knows? Yeah, every single person in the world yeah. has their. You've got own. your own personal, yeah. a literal personal Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think Katoon could potentially show up for other characters as well. Um, I will also say, actually, as well, I forgot to mention this uh, when we were going through the episode, but when Scott is about to die, um, he reveals to Hap that they have dubbed him the Angel Hunter, which uh, yeah. reminded me of Hans Lander in Inglorious Bastards, like the, the, the Jew <laughs> Hunter. <laughs> so, and like, I, I feel like maybe maybe that this iconography is something to do with that as well. Like he's kind of always got angels around him because because he's pursuing them, like uh, like Hans Lander. That's uh, really interesting. Yeah, I thought Angel Hunter was funny to me as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so also, oh, actually, also on the mention of something we, we missed out, I mentioned that ha- while Homer was having sex with Renata, he said, "You're an angel." Yeah. And I thought it was interesting because it's like weird, like it's like at that moment he was thinking of OA, you know? Yeah. I, there's the, yeah. There's there's definite. It's a weird sex scene. That that's, that's all I was yeah. going to say. Well, the things he said in that se- like, listen, I'm not here to judge what anyone says during sex. Whatever you're into. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not judging you. All I'm saying is, when I see it, it's a bit like that was odd. That was an odd thing. To, <laughs> that was an odd thing yeah. to say. That was quite odd. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, that's us this week. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Conrad. What would you like to see in a sentence or less? What would you like to see next week? Uh, Captain Planet, Batman, and uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, well, we've already seen Jesus, so they're, they're yeah. all they're all coming together. Yeah. Um, but when I see the trio reunited finally. Um, (laughs) (laughs) right guys make sure you subscribe to the culture cave on youtube subscribe on audio apps if that's how you listen to your podcasts uh we're back with episode six next week like the video adpodmail.gmail.com if you have an email for us if you want to give Conrad a question about episode six put it on this video here apart from that goodbye goodbye thank you for listening the after dark podcast has been a culture cave production Please subscribe on audio apps as well as on YouTube at The Culture Team. Join us next week as Conrad journeys further into the unknown.